0: Good morning! We are so glad that you're here today, whether you are in person, on the Hill, or if you're online. We're glad that you're with us today. Um, I have just a couple of things that I would like to um, share with you for the upcoming week so that you can get prepared, and I have to do this, so I have four things. So if you would put your fingers up right now with me. Okay, thank you, Tony Harover. I see you. So this is how I have to remember things. So here's the first thing. Do you see this box? This is Operation Christmas Child. We're going to have a packing party this Thursday night out here. It will be... um Um, social distance, we'll have our mask, we'll have our gloves to do that. You can donate things or you can um, participate by helping donate some money to send these boxes overseas. That's $9. So that's number one. Number two, right next to the Operation Christmas Child table are angel trees. If you would like to choose an angel and purchase some gifts to help make um, a child's Christmas a little more pleasant and joyful, you're welcome to do that. We would encourage it. Number three, Salvation Army Bell Ringers. There's a sign-up sheet at the back table where you can sign up. We are so privileged to ring the bell for Salvation Army on the Friday after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, which, you know, it's a great day. So... you encourage you to sign up for that. And then the last one is we're going to have a couple's coffee on the first Sunday of December. And we would love for you to come and join and meet some other couples. The sign up is on that table also. You can um, sign up for 1130 coffee or the 1230 coffee. So do you have your four fingers? Do you remember? we got Operation Christmas Child, we've got an angel tree, we have Salvation Army Bell Ringer, and we have a couple's coffee. So you're ready before you leave here today, but we're glad you're here. Let's go to the Lord and praise Him for all the wonderful things He's done.
1: Morning church, let's stand as we worship together. Morning, as we continue to worship, I want to read just a a verse to us from 2 Chronicles. It comes from 2 Chronicles 20. During this passage of Scripture, the people of God are surrounded on all sides by their enemies. And their king, his name was Jehoshaphat, he prayed this prayer through a lot of Second Chronicles 20, and in verse 9, there's this verse that I really want to highlight for us today. It says, they said, talking about the people of God, it said, they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us today I look around our world and I see war, plague, famine, and I look in this room today and say, God, we're here in a place that is built to honor your name, so we're crying out to you today, because we know all these battles, all these trials that we're walking through already belong to you, they already belong to the Lord, so today I want to teach you all a new song that allows us to declare that together. So would you sing with me?
2: impossible, impossible.
0: Belongs to the Lord. What what a praise for us this morning! It just makes me want to cry. Just get on our knees and cry. Um, Hey, I was so blessed to grow up in a Christian church, and um, at time of communion, it was just so precious that it was so consistent with the elders and the leaders in our church who would come forward and share with us and prepare our hearts. Our music absolutely has prepared our hearts to come before the Lord. Um, But I just wanted to read for you um, what I heard every Sunday. Um, Every Sunday I heard this to prepare me, to remind me of what David even preached to us about last week. And that was that last supper. Um, And this is from Paul. So um, Jesus gave these instructions, and then Paul continued with those instructions. And he said, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. take that into your heart that as we come forward and are able to take the bread and the cup, it represents Jesus. Paul goes on to tell us to take this in a worthy manner. So as we come to the table, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Um, If there's something that you need to um, give to the Lord, just lay a fear at His feet. Um, He offers peace and forgiveness. So as you ponder those things, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then feel free to come up and and take the bread and the cup and partake of that at your seat um, with your family. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this morning in awe of who you are and what you've done for us. Jesus, it's hard for us to comprehend that you would give your life, um, you would give your life, you were sinless. You you had no debt to pay, and you paid for hours. So, Lord, as we participate this morning in your um, body and your blood, you've invited us to the table. Oh, how sweet that is, to be invited to the table. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this morning and allow us to recognize just how powerfully precious these moments are for us not to become too familiar with it but to let it be new each and every time we partake we give you thanks jesus in our words and we ask that you would change us so that not only our words but our actions would reveal that you are real to us and a part of our lives thank you jesus it's in your precious name we pray
2: go away you were saying
3: What's up, church? Everybody had a good week? I guess not. Okay. All right. Well, I hope it gets better then. I hope it gets better then uh, the rest of this week. Man, we are glad that you guys are here. Uh, whether you are here in person, we're really glad you guys are here. And we're really gr- glad to have our online uh, campus and people uh, worshiping with us. And I just checked it out. and we got, I mean, we've got a lot of people online this morning all over the country, all over the world. And so I want to say hey to all the folks that are watching online. Hey, Blake, I know it's your first time on. So uh, glad watching with us and other people that are joining in for the first time. Uh, we're so glad about that. Um, have you ever had one of those days it's um it's 8:56 according to my watch it's already been one of those days have you ever gotten in the shower before and realized you left your watch on and you weren't sure that was a good thing or not and like especially if you got one of these like that has the little blinking things like was your wrist about to like like you know catch on fire or something like that that happened this morning Have you ever been in the shower and realized strangely that you could read everything on the shampoo bottles and that didn't make any sense at all, only to realize you still had your glasses on? That happened this morning. Have you ever missed the last step coming downstairs and fallen all the way to the floor before? That happened this morning. So I'm just kind of hoping I can get through the next 30 minutes and may need some of you guys to, like, help get me off the stage and keep me, you know, all in one piece. But either, you know, either I'm getting old or Satan really doesn't want me to talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm kind of choosing it's the latter. But before we dig into that, although if you want to go ahead and open up in your Bibles and get to Luke chapter 22, uh, you know, here's the funny thing. I've kind of been talking the last two or three times I've been up here about, wow, we're going to be, a, we got a lot of stuff to cover because we're going to cover a whole chapter today, but we're covering a chapter and a half today, okay, uh, because we're like, we've been going through this day by day of the last week of Jesus' life. And we're, today we're on Friday, okay? Today we're on Friday, so it's going to take, uh, and it takes a chapter and a half, and we're gonna get through everything that happened. On that Friday. So get there and hang on to that. Here, let me tell you something in the form of announcement first. Just to give you a word of warning, since you guys will be the first ones to walk in here next Sunday morning, okay? So get ready. And I know some of you guys like have assigned seats, like you've been sitting there forever, and you will be there until Jesus comes back. All right. Find the general geographical area in the room but you'll probably need to find a new seat next week here's what we're doing all right because all through this you know this pandemic and everything we've had three defining principles that we've been operating on number one we feel like the church needs to be together and so we've been we tried to get back to as soon as we could together so that's number one number two is we want to be safe and so that's why we you know encourage masks get to your seat or at least if you're not going to do that at least stay away from people and respect people's space and all that kind of stuff and 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 number three we just want to be you know good neighbors in the community and so we've been trying to do that and and the turning the chair sideways thing seemed like a really good idea the second week of march when we thought that was going to last about two and a half, we, this whole thing was going to be over in two to three weeks, you know. And we were, in, and we thought, well, we don't want to move a bunch of chairs and just turning the chairs sideways. Is it easier? Well, eight months into this, we decided that doesn't, you know, any of you guys got your chairs in your living room turned sideways so that friends come over and they walk in and they see the back of a chair or the, got the chair? We just like this, we don't like this. And so here's what we're going to do tomorrow the staff's going to take care of this tomorrow right after our staff meeting we're taking like 250 chairs out of here And we're going to create social distancing. We're going to move rows. And we're going to create better space just by reconfiguring the auditorium. So there will still be this side of the church will still be here. So all of you, you can feel really good that this side of the church will still be here. Your chair just may be slightly altered. And you guys that are middle of the church people... We're still going to have a middle section. So you're just going to have to recreate your, your point of emphasis. And you guys, same thing. We're still going to be there. We're just going to create social and make it look like, cause we're leading into Christmas. And for Christmas, you know, it, it mama, it's like go time. You know, it's like one of our kind of two Super Bowl events as a church, a time when, when people are more likely to give it a shot. And so we just wanted to look, like home and look friendly and not have the couches turned sideways uh when guests come in and things like that so uh, everything's gonna be cool and the other thing we're gonna do is there won't you know so that we don't have to worry about okay leaving three seats between all the rows starting next week will be either two four or six seats all right so depending on the size of your family choose your row appropriately okay Uh, because now that we're good doing the communion stations and we don't have to pass things it's not as important that we have long roads and things like that and we just think it's gonna be a much better field it's gonna allow us to move forward and move forward strongly but i didn't want to just let you walk in next Sunday. Although there was a little bit of me that wanted to let you walk in next Sunday and just kind of videotape everybody's look as they came in the door. But I thought out of fairness it was better if we kind of told you that's what was going to happen. And so that's what's going to happen. Uh, and uh, so pray for staff tomorrow about 1130 or so. Uh, sometime when we start doing that, that we don't uh, have major disagreements about which rows are going to go where and things like that. Okay. And uh, Tiffany is in charge of the entire move, so pray for her. She just found that out right then at that moment, okay? So, So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Let's go, all right? Let's go. And we just want to lead people to Jesus, all right? Have you ever wondered... Have you ever really stopped and wondered why in the world we call it Good Friday? Have you ever really wondered about it? Because on the surface... And the stuff that we're going to read, Friday in and of itself is one of the most horrific days in history. It's one of the most unjust, unfair, horrible, brutal. You put any adjective you want in there. Friday was a terrible day until you added Sunday onto it because sunday's what made friday good but we're on friday right now we're on friday so i want you just for before we start reading things <clears throat> i just want you to think about the emotions that we're going to read about we're going to see a lot of human emotions on display here because you see on this day on this friday there's no doubt jesus felt lonely Have you ever felt lonely You ever been in a situation where you felt like you were all alone? On this Friday, there's no doubt that Jesus felt some desperation. Have you ever ever felt desperate before? On on this Friday, Jesus had to feel empty. just, Just empty. You ever felt empty before? on Friday, Jesus was betrayed. Have you ever been betrayed before? See, all of these things had to happen. All of these things had to happen because as we look at these, Jesus, as he's experienced these things, he's able to understand our struggles. Scripture tells us that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. And let us, therefore, approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because he experienced those things especially on friday so as we dig into good friday let's focus on the things that were said that day many of them are red letter things so if you've got a red letter version of the new testament your eyes will be able to go directly to that but i just want to focus on the things that were said that day and help us to be able to relate to his humanity to be able to marvel at his commitment to be able to trust in his atoning sacrifice So in chapter 22, starting in verse 39, we read the beginning of that day and the beginning of the events. And it helps us to be able to relate to his humanity. Because in the very beginning, Jesus gets disappointed. Now we don't have time to read the whole narrative, but Jesus, it's one of those times when he, he feels like he needs to go and be with the father and he wants to go and pray. It was a, it was a common occurrence for Jesus to do that. But this particular time he didn't want to go alone. He wanted to take his inner circle, his closest friends, his really tight posse. He wanted to take them with him just so that they could be there. And so he took Peter, James, and John, and they went to the Mount of Olives. And and, and he, he got part of the way up and he said, you guys stay right here i'm going on up but he says to them pray in verse 40 he says pray that you will not fall into temptation pray that you will not fall into temptation jesus is painting a picture of some dire things that are going to happen and he says don't give in to that and so i just want you to pray that you don't fall into that temptation. Ken Geyer, in a book called The Intense Moments with the Savior, he wrote these words. He said, Jesus brings with him his, his closest disciples, his closest friends. He knows the others are tired, but these three but these three he needs a cloak against the night he stations them nearby to watch and pray alone in the clearing jesus falls to his knees and then to the ground and seen through the foliage this darkly modeled portrait drips with intensity with humanity for jesus was never more human than he is right now Never more weak, never more sad. He wrestled in prayer, but his prayer is so, is no well constructed sonnet whispered with composure. His words are shards of a broken heart and they shred his soul on the way up. That's what's going on. And he becomes disappointed. Matthew tells us his soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mark, in his gospel account, says he was deeply distressed and troubled. And this is what Jesus prays in that moment. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And then these powerful words, but not my will. Not my will, but yours be done. That, that word cup there seems, may seem strange, but it's a word that was used several times. It was a word that Jesus used several times as a, as an expression. In fact, the, the Jewish people of that day used that as a, as a way of expressing a person's fate, their, their cup. Jesus spoke on other occasions of the cup that he would one day drink, referring to his suffering, but now's the time now's the time and so if you look back in in luke's gospel there in in chapter 22 in verse 44 it tells us he says being in anguish being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground then verse 45 says when he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow And his humanity just asked for another way out. He took his three closest friends with him and said, You guys just wait here. Just stay here. And, And while they didn't know what was about to happen, they knew stuff was going down. It had been an eventful week, and the last few days had gotten more and more and more tense. And Jesus is their leader, and he says, Come on, stay with me. You pray here. I'm going up there to pray. And he comes back, and they're asleep. Jesus had to be disappointed in that moment. But it wasn't going to be very long until there was another emotion that helps us relate to hum- his humanity. And he was betrayed, starting in verse 47. But but it had kind of been talked about for, for actually centuries. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 27, and verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. These are prophetic words. In fact, I wonder, after Judas had made up his mind to do this, I wonder if Judas had taken the soldiers to the upper room where they had just been, they had just been there that night and as, as, as Thursday turns into Friday and Jesus has said, one of you is going to betray me, like Jason talked about last week. And, and, and this, and now it's Friday morning and Judas has left the room. I wonder if he got them and brought them back to the upper room only to find it empty. And then he thought, Oh, I know where he is. I know where he is. And, and, and they, they go to the garden. And as Jesus sees Judas coming in verse 48 of your text, Jesus says, red letters, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? With a kiss? A sign of affection. A sign of affection. Are you betraying me with a kiss? I would just assume, and I thought a lot about this as we write it, and I realized that probably, probably everyone here today it's felt betrayed before. Sometime in your life, a friend stabbed you in the back. Sometime in your life, maybe a co-worker stole your idea and they got credit. Maybe sometime in your life, a girlfriend or boyfriend dumped you. Maybe to make it even worse, it was for your best friend or maybe when you're a kid your parents announced that they were getting a divorce and you felt like they're running your life in the process we've all had instances and we could stay here the rest of the day naming the different things that happened to us that leave us feeling betrayed but in this moment jesus knows he's being betrayed he feels betrayed and then finally in verse 52 he says no more of this Am I leaning in rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple, and, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this, this is your hour when darkness reigns. Now, if you're into underlining, underline that, because you'll see just a minute. that this, When darkness reigns, Jesus is making a prophetic statement there about what's about to happen. But so we'll come back to that in just a minute. But he's now confronted with a man who has been his constant companion for almost three years, who's just sold him out to the authorities. And and so he's disappointed, and, and, and he's betrayed. But then it gets even worse. He's denied by one of the three. But one of the three that's there in the garden, Jesus even tells him he's going to do it. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times, Peter. And Peter says, no way, there's no way I'll ever deny you. How many times have you made that promise to God? How many times have you told Jesus, I'm in it to win it? I'm your ride and die partner. I'll be here to the end. I'll never give in. And yet you have. Luke, in his gospel, probably more than the others, condenses Peter's denials. But when we look at the other gospels uh, and the other gospel writers, it actually happened over a space of several hours, these denials, one right after the other. I I like what John Phillips, the writer John Phillips, said this about that moment. He said this about that moment when Peter had the opportunity. They kept coming to him. and said, aren't you with you? Peter had the moment. And here's what John Phillips said. He, He said, now's your chance, Peter. Now's your chance. Tell her about your mother-in-law that this guy brought back to life. Tell her about the little lad's lunch that fed 5,000. Tell her about Malchus half an hour ago. Go on. Go on. Malchus, by the way, is a soldier that Peter cut off his ear. Tell him about that. Tell her what he was really like, who he really is. Instead, all you got is woman I don't know him hmm. have you ever chosen not to speak up or to support someone who you knew was innocent who you knew was being maligned has that ever happened to you jesus understands that and, and so we can relate to his humanity because we've been disappointed we've been betrayed we've even been denied rights and things like that before see when i would have been resentful jesus was compassionate and it helps me relate to his humanity the rest of the evening goes on and after that and it helped there's some things that just make me marvel at his commitment because after all this, now he's ridiculed. If we look in our text in chapter 22, starting verse 63, it says, The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking him and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy who just hit you. And they said many other insulting things to him. See, there were two groups of guards with Jesus that night. There were the Jewish temple guards, but then there were the Roman soldiers who took over when Jesus was handed off to Pilate. Now, you just think it through. I mean, think it through this way. The the Jewish temple guards are mall security. <laughs> the Roman soldiers are the SWAT team. I mean, think it through. It, it goes from bad to worse. It goes from bad to worse. Uh, all of this ridicule was prophesied hundreds of years earlier isaiah said he was oppressed talking about what was going to happen he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth he was like a lamb led to the slaughter and as his sheep before his shears is silent so he did not open his mouth you see when i would have been furious jesus expressed kindness and i marvel at his commitment because he was ridiculed and then he was judged and that judgment starts at the very end of chapter 22 and, and starts in verse 66. And let's, let's just set the stage here for a minute. Let's just set the stage for the next couple of hours of Jesus' life. He actually underwent six trials in a relatively short period of time. The, the first three involved the, the Jews and they were more religious in nature. And the other three involved the Romans and they were more political in nature. The very first one is when he appeared before Annas the former high priest who was still respected by the Jews and the Jewish leaders and he was kind of sort of the high priest emeritus if you would and people he didn't really serve in that role but people still respected him and they want to know what do you think about this situation and so he goes through that and and he's quickly taken from there to Caiaphas who was who was actually the official high priest at the time he's the son-in-law of Annas And Caiaphas, though he by this time, he was just a pawn of Rome, and 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 had already made it clear that that Jesus needed to die even before he was arrested. And then next, Jesus is taken to the Sanhedrin. Jesus is a Jew jesus is jew by his birth and by his heritage and the sanhedrin is the jewish ruling council of 70 men because you see roman law roman law did not allow the jews to carry out capital punishment and and, and so the announcement by the sanhedrin was necessary uh, before the roman officials would even consider jesus's case so in a really quickly kind of boom 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 hand off, handoff handoff, handoff he goes from Annas to Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin, these Jewish trials, if you would. And, and, and then, then it's going to get worse. But here, remember when, when I told you a few moments ago, he talked about to them when they came and you come in the middle of the night. There was so much wrong just with the way that Jesus was handled. Forget the outcome just with the way that he was handled. You you know, in in our world today, people would be going crazy because the law was misused in so many ways. He was arrested at night. You couldn't do that. He was tried at night. You couldn't do that. And in the, tra- in the trial itself, there were false witnesses breaking of the law. There was no defense breaking the law. He was beaten before he was charged, breaking the law. And the law said, when was passed, you had to wait three days to carry it out. How about that? Three days later, it would have been carried out and he was out. But it was all wrong. It was all done Wrong. And I marvel at his commitment. You see, he comes out of that. He comes out of all of that going on and still has got three more trials. He has to go before the council. And if you look in in chapter 22 and verse 67, then they start questioning And are you who they say you are? Or have you been saying that you're the son of God? And Jesus says, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you, you wouldn't answer So from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty of God. You know what he was saying there when he said that? He was saying like, man, whatever. But when he said, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand, he was like, yeah, that's who I am. It's kind of interesting. Remember in the Old Testament? Some of you guys have read the Old Testament. Remember when Moses was going to go to Pharaoh? And I don't know what to say. Just tell him I am sent you. And I am is about to be seated right there again by God. Then he has to go before Pilate, and Pilate asks him the same question. And Jesus just says, you've said that. You have said so. And then he goes to Herod. And it's interesting that the Bible tells us that that day Herod and Pilate became friends because before this they would have been enemies. But they just had to get this done and they had to get this off their hands. And Pilate wanted to wash his hands and Herod doesn't really want to deal with it, but let's just, you know, let's just figure, let's just, I'm tired of this. Let's just get rid of this. Let's just do this. See, when I would have been totally overwhelmed, Jesus remained tough as nails and I marveled his commitment and then he sentenced. Then he sins. this is in chapter 23 starting in verse 18. He's sentenced by people. He's sentenced with two words cried out over and over and over again. Crucify him. Crucify him crucify him the very same people that on sunday were shouting hosanna hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord a few days later are chanting and shouting and screaming crucify him crucify him crucify him see from the beginning of time people have had an amazing ability to change their allegiance based on what they feel is best for them and whatever the crowd is clamoring for Moses is leading the Israelites out of bondage after 400 years. Our country's only a little over 200 years old. And they had been in bondage for over 400 years. And we want to get out until they get to the edge of the Red Sea. And things look tough. And now they want to go back. People start clamoring to go back, and then they get through the Red Sea on dry land. God parted a, basically an ocean. They walk through on dry land, and then the ocean shuts up, and Pharaoh's army is destroyed, and it's killed. And they get over there, and suddenly one of them gets hungry. And now we're all hungry. You ever been in the car? All it takes is one person to say, man, I'm hungry. Now we're all hungry. We're looking for the next drive-thru we can find. But it's Sunday and Chick-fil-A ain't open. So where are we gonna go? See, we've been given into that crowd mentality from the very beginning. In the Old Testament, God kept telling the people, you don't need a king. You, you, you don't need a king. You don't want a king. And they kept saying, yeah, we want a king. We need a king. And we want Saul. And God kept saying, no, you don't need that. You don't need that. And they just kept clamoring and clamoring and begging for it. And he said, all right, fine. We'll see how that works out for you. And it was horrible. And these same people that were shouting Hosanna are now shouting crucifying. And, and, and what makes it amazing is he's found innocent by a Gentile here's what Herod said for the third time he spoke to him he says why what crime has this man committed I have found him in no ground I have found him no grounds for the death penalty therefore I will have him punished and release him I want to be done with it see when I would have been tempted to cower Jesus stood firm and I can relate to his humanity because I've been disappointed, I've been betrayed, I can, I can marvel at, at his commitment, because I don't know how he went through all that, but at the end of it all, I've got to trust in his atoning sacrifice. We've got to trust and His atoning sacrifice. While well, all this other stuff is hard to hear and even think about, the most defining part of Jesus was His role as a sacrificial Savior. And He's just carrying out what the Father had been doing from the very beginning. If you go back and take time and read in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament when something was wrong, when someone had sinned and forgiveness was available, forgiveness and favor relied. Forgiveness and favor in God's eyes relied on a blood sacrifice. It relied on the blood sacrifice of the firstborn. In the Exodus, protection from the death angel, deliverance from slavery, required a blood sacrifice to be remembered by participating in the Passover to to save the family, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb to be slain for forgiveness, and Jesus is the perfect lamb sacrifice for all to atone and to redeem and to pay for our sins and to gain forgiveness and the right to become children of God, citizens of heaven. That's what this is all about. If our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been for pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer, but our greatest need was forgiveness, and so God sent us a savior. And that Savior was tortured. Verse 26, or excuse me, verse 28. Jesus told him, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, wombs that never bore and breasts that never nursed. And then they will say to the mountains, fall on us. and Hills, just cover us up. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will they do when it's dry? He said, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. And then he looked down from the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then he said, truly, I tell you, to this thief that's hanging there, dying next to him, he says, truly, today you can be with me in paradise. See, when I would have wanted to blame, Jesus chose to forgive. And in the process, he was tortured. And finally, he was killed. In his last words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Look at verse 47 of chapter 23. Verse 47 of chapter 23 is one of the most beautiful moments, I think, in history. Because Jesus had just said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And as he died, as he breathed his last, one of the ones who was doing that to him looked up at him and said, Surely this was the righteous man. Surely this is the son of God. And then Jesus was buried. Not in some fancy tomb in a borrowed grave verse 50 says joseph a member of the council one of the ones that would have been there early that night in the sanhedrin who obviously didn't believe in everything that was happening but he was on his own he comes forward and he's a good and an upright man and he had consented not consented to their decision and actions he came from the town of arimathea and said hey i got a space for the body can we take him there And so I look at all this, and I think this this is horrible, but I can relate to his humanity. I marvel at his commitment, and I just got to trust. You've just got to trust in Jesus' atoning sacrifice for wherever you've been, whatever you've done, and whoever you've done it with. It's all about Jesus and his atoning sacrifice. This past Wednesday was Veterans Day. It's an emotional day for me. And as older, the older I get, the more emotional it becomes because I kind of regret that I never served our country in that way. And for a lot of us, it's very emotional, especially given the climate of our country. And so I appreciate every man and woman that sacrificed for our country. It was a great sacrifice. But even their greatest sacrifice is the loss of life. They pale in comparison to Jesus' sacrifice. Because, you see, veterans sacrificed. Jesus sacrificed perfectly. Veterans fought for freedom. Jesus gave us freedom within himself. Veterans displayed acts of selflessness. Christ was the essence of selflessness. Jesus didn't die for his sins. He died for ours. There's some lessons we can learn from that. First of all, no matter, how, no matter how bad life becomes, Jesus is always ready to help. He's always ready to help. Now the second lesson, we have to be honest with ourselves before we can be honest with God. You've got to have that moment when we come clean, when we realize that we're powerless, that we can't do this on our own. But there is, there is a power. His name is Jesus who can restore us, and then we surrender to him. And as long, the third lesson, as long as there's one breath left. That's the beautiful part of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I got more than one chance at this. I got more than two. Some of you may have dozen chances. And as long as we're breathing, we've still got time. We've still got hope. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad the world says you are. It doesn't matter where you've had to serve time or work on relationships or whatever. As long as there's breath, there's time to accept this atoning sacrifice of Jesus. But the problem is we don't know how much longer we got breath. We don't know. And so we need to do that. When it's all said and done, last lesson, our trust in Christ is really all that matters. See, you might make millions of dollars in your lifetime. A hundred years from now, it won't matter. You might have won an Olympic gold medal, or some of our kids may win Olympic gold medals someday. A hundred years from now, it really doesn't matter. You might have a PhD. You might discover the cure for cancer or COVID. A hundred years from now, it doesn't matter. At least not for you. Those are all good things. In fact, they're great things. But in the end, trusting Jesus is all that really matters. And allowing his death to bring you eternal life is all that's ever going to count. Because Jesus didn't die for his sins. He died for yours. And he died for mine. And he came looking for us. He left the 99 he came looking for us. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself and he came looking for us so that we could have that atoning sacrifice in our life. Would you guys stand with me? If you've never accepted Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for your sins, I don't want you to leave here today without doing that. And Jason's going to be down here. Bradley's back there. we got elders around. we got people that will pray with you and help you with that. If you're watching online today, and maybe for the first time in your life, something made sense, please, we've got a prayer line. 487-4527. And text that, and somebody will get with you. Put it in your comment bar right now. Don't let this day go by without accepting Jesus. It's the atoning sacrifice of your sins. Come on, let's worship.
2: There's no shadow in your light up. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow in your light up. Now I'm taking one time out of my head to me There's no more you won't kick down But you won't tear down out my head to me There's no shadow
3: guys thanks so much for being here today and this this time doesn't end at the end of the last song if you need to talk to someone about this we'll be around texas this week whatever coming down here and find us today we'd love to talk about it. if this is your first time here i'm ever glad you came today i'm really glad you came today because this is, this is the most important message in all the bible jesus atoning sacrifice so i'm glad you were here but we got a gift for you uh if this is your first time there's I'm new wall out there in the lobby uh we would encourage you to stop by there brett and his team got a gift for you there's some folks in our next step room over there uh if you haven't already given don't forget the black boxes on your way out uh, that helps keep this ministry going and reaching people literally all around the world thanks for being here this week have an awesome week uh and we'll see you back next sunday